Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub and all of our advertising revenues will be donated to support this fantastic initiative. It's now based at the Lions Centre on Bolina Road and it's run by our own Kelly Webster. This is a friendly food bank supporting families in the Bermondsey and SE16 area. If you can help support the Lions Food Hub in any way, please visit at Lions Food Hub on Twitter or get in touch with us at Achtung Millwall. The Lions Food Hub. Come on, you Lions. You're listening to Achtung Millwall, broadcasting from the beautiful South Bermondsey. Except no substitute. So good evening, good afternoon, good morning, uh, dear listeners. Welcome to another edition of Axton Millwall Grassroots, where we cover the non-league. And in this interview, we are absolutely delighted to have with us uh, Danny Murphy, not that one, but Danny Murphy, the manager of Erith and Belvedere FC, who are currently sitting nice and pretty near the top of the table in the SC EFL Premier Division. Danny, how are you, mate? I'm very good. Yourself? Yeah, yep, yeah, all good, all good. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Really, really appreciate it. So, so we'll get That's started. So, um, so with with you and your history in coaching, how how did uh how did you get in, into it? Really, you know, some some players sort of had like little injuries or or they didn't really like go too far up the pyramids. But you seem to have a pretty decent caliber and pedigree in the game. So, how, how did it all? How did it all start for you with the coaching? I tell you what, I was in Ireland and uh, playing for Cork City. I was coming towards the end of my career where I felt that I couldn't really, I suppose, yeah, it's hard to realise as a player that you just got to know when it, when it's time to stop playing. And I felt that I wanted to go out when people knew me as the player I was and not go out of football when people thought I should have gone out of football. So I kind of, probably people would say to me, I finished my career a little bit earlier than I should have, but I didn't think I could contribute in a way that I could. And I didn't want to carry on playing football if I couldn't contribute in that way. And I'd done my coaching badges. I had a couple of coaching, small coaching companies that set up a couple of academies and stuff like that when I was coaching in Ireland. And then I stopped playing. I got offered a job as a player manager at a club in the lower leagues in Ireland. Um, I took that job, really enjoyed the coaching side of it. I didn't enjoy the playing as much, um, which was kind of weird, but I just... I got to a point where I enjoyed coaching. I enjoyed the, that side of it and making players better and um, the game understanding and learning more the tactical side of football. And um, I 
had a, uh, I went with Blarney United in Ireland, which is based in Cork, where I finished up playing. And I started coaching with him. And then I we finished second in the league that year. And you know, things kind of didn't pan out the way I wanted to the next season in terms of over the pre-season. So I just decided, listen, it wasn't for me. wasn't yeah. going to carry on doing it. I came home with my little boy to the UK just to come see my parents. Ended up seeing someone I knew in the airport who was new people in America and was like, hey, why don't you go out there? I was like, listen, it's a nightmare trying to get out of there. He went, no, no, I know someone will get you a visa. So literally gave him my number that night. He offered me a, a, a one-year visa out in America. I was like, you know what, I'll go and give it a go. Like, it's not often you get an opportunity. I went out there, started coaching out there, started working for some small clubs, then ended up coaching for GIS, which is Global Women's Soccer, and they kind of are all over the US. So I ended up working for them on West Ham traveling around the States, um, going to clubs, teaching them different philosophies and how to coach and stuff like that. And I you know, really then started to take an active role in how I wanted to coach and how I wanted to do things. I ended up spending four years uh, in the States um, coaching elite level football, which predominantly ended up doing girls. Um, so I worked with the elite level of girls for, you know, um, getting girls from, you know, college, uh, Get them ready for collegiate level football. So I dealt with like the top 10 schools in the country, um, Clemson, South Carolina, you know, some of the big schools there, U Vanderbilt, UAB and uh, Texas and things like that. And it was just like, wow, this is like really what I want to do. Mm. Um, came back to the UK when my visa ended after my five years. And um, my little boy was getting a bit older. And I just decided, you know what? I need to come back to the UK. I've been away since I was 20. Um, I want to come back, be around family, be around watching my nieces and nephews grow up and, you know, be with my little boy a little bit more. So I decided to come back, um, met Gary Fury from the Rondos Football Academy, ended up working for him, then got into Welling, questioned them why they wasn't doing girls football. He said, we tried it, it doesn't work. I then said, it does, you haven't done it properly. Gave me the free reign to set up the Welling academy with a lady called Vicky Ball and the two of us over lockdown spent a lot of time promoting it getting it to where it wanted to be we started off with 13 girls ended up with four teams for the 2021 season we now have 14 teams on the girls side a women's team because I managed a Welling United women's team and we've gone from a tier seven club to winning the league convincingly that season not losing a game um, conceding like three or four goals and you know I had people like uh, Emily Simmons and some girls who have been around the level of football that just fell out of love with it and wanted to get back and join it again so we ended up staying there doing that and now this year we have a women's team we're now FA Cup football 14 academy teams I think we have 30 odd girls from the age of four to six playing football and it's just kind of grown from there and then I played in a charity match for uh, against Deer from Belvedere and um, Dale Oldfield come up to me after the game and said, Look, I'd love to get you in coaching with us. So was that was that the recent um, game, the charity game, a, a couple of months ago, back in June, July time? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. It was a good game. That was, I was at that one. Yeah, and Dale just said to me afterwards, he said, like, why are you not playing? Do you want to come back? I went, like, I don't enjoy playing anymore. I enjoy the coaching side of it. Um, and I'd like, like I said, listen, I'd love to come in and get involved. Obviously, my hours and that are very restricted and, uh, I've got a lot of stuff on, but I would love to get involved and coach. And 
be a part of it and help you grow what you're trying to do. And then um, obviously I knew um, AD and Geordie from being a kid growing up in the area. Uh, obviously knew uh, AD quite well because we played at underage level for Ireland. Um, so yeah, they ended up having a conversation with Dale. And then obviously a couple months, a, a month into that, um, Dale got offered a job elsewhere and decided that he couldn't commit to it full time and put the amount of time and effort he'd like to put into it. So the club asked me if I'd take it on myself and I was like, it's a great opportunity for me. Um, obviously, you know, I have a lot going on in terms of the girls game and with Welling United, with the women's. I yeah. just thought, you know what? It's not often you get these opportunities. It's, I'll make it work. So yeah. I've juggled things around and I've been lucky that I've got a group of girls who are very understanding and have been very helpful for me in terms of letting me move training times to accommodate me with the Belvedere and been very helpful in terms of like with match day games we've had a few Sunday games been able to move kickoffs around so that I can do both and yeah I just I've been lucky as well because I fell into two jobs since I've been back and with good people and it's yeah. not often you get that opportunity and to be what we're trying to do at EF Belvedere and what's going on there I've got good people there and I think that was always a big thing for me in terms of what I want to do as a coach is having the right people around me and the right jobs and having good people around me that can support me as a person but always going to listen to what I want to do and uh, have the same goals and dreams as I want to have. No, of course, of course and and you could see like a couple of games I've been to this season like I said that the pre-season and also as well the um, the recent Irritan game that I met you at you know you can see there's a real togetherness so you, you've touched on there really well about like your background where you've come from and we'll look at Irritan now I mean the start of the season has literally been, you, you couldn't ask for a better start, really, could you? You know, five wins from five, a lot of goals scored, a lot of goals scored. Um, we sort of said off air about the sort of calibre of the team you've been playing, but but you know a lot more than I do. I've, I've just watched the non-league, but you know that anyone can blood any nose down in those divisions. But what is it, 12 goals scored for, uh, or 12 goal difference at the moment? Fantastic start yeah, to the only, season. Yeah, I watched them obviously play a few times last year because Dell was a friend of mine and I know a few of the boys there and Geordie and him had invited me down, uh, Paul Springer and AD and had to come watch some games. And, um, you know, I watched some games last year and I just felt that they overplayed. Mm. Um, I thought they were very open um, and very predictable and I felt that they, and that was just my opinion of it, that they wasn't defensively strong enough. Um, yeah. And for me, it's about being defensively stronger and being more organised and having a structure in place that, you know, if, you know, you make mistakes, there's that safety net of someone being there and people understanding their roles and responsibilities within a team. Um, so when I came in, we played a game against Welling Scholars and we got beat. And the first game I said, listen, I'm not going to coach it. I'm going to let you play. I want to get to know everyone. And I think we had, like, me and Marlon had, like, 20-odd, 26 boys there. And... Yeah. We kept six. And after that game, I was like, listen, a lot of boys in this league, for me, like, um, don't condition their self, right? Like, if you want to play football, you've got to run for 90 minutes. If you've got, if you want to, um, be a, you can't call yourself a footballer unless you act like a footballer. So you've got to look after your body. You've got to do the right things off the pitch so that you can do the right things on the pitch. We got rid of them players and we decided we're going to get people in who are going to buy into what we want to do and be a part of what we want to do as a club yeah, so absolutely. We, we've recruited well, we've got good players in who understand what 
mine and Marlon's um, ambitions are and where we want to be. Also understanding that, that this is what the club want and this is where their direction is. And this, if you want to be here, you want to get to, but you've got to buy into what we want to do. And I think that's the biggest thing that we've had. We've had a lot of buying from the players that they've bought into the, the things we expect, the things we want to do. And it's shown on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, of course. So you can, you can, as a coach, you can take, you can say, oh, I've done well, or me and Marlon have done well. But at the end of the day, like once they cross the line and the referee blows the whistle, they've got to put all them things into process and they've got to start to do the things that we've worked on in training and uh, things we talked about in the tactical meetings and put them understandings and stuff into place. That, so when they walk onto the pitch, they do it. And I can't play the game for them. I can help them in terms of structure and I can help them in terms of motivation. But ultimately, they've got to have the motivation to want to do well. And they've got to also take, implement and take on board what we try to tell them. And the boys have done that. And that's why we're where we are at the moment. Again, we were talking off air about the, the results you're playing. You're, you're currently, you, you are the form team. That There's no way of looking past it. Even, even Glebe and Sheffield are above you, are only really above you because they've played more games. You know, you've got this great run. You've got fantastic um, backline as well, who've conceded very few. Um, on on the subject of, of this division, I mean, I, I shared it the other day with some of my friends in, in our group chat that it, that top of the table, I know it's early, but it's wide open, isn't it? And like, leaving Sheffield top, and as we were saying, but do you see these as, you know, if you want to go up or go to the next level, that these are the two teams you need to beat? Because, you know, deal who you've got soon, they're thereabouts. Erith Town, you know, they had a bit of a slow start and they were missing a lot of players in, in the Erith side that you just played, but they've They've sort of recaptured a bit of form and now they're back up there as well. It really, really is tight, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a, a very unpredictable league. I think um, that you can only think about one game at a time. Um, and I know it's a cliche and people talk about loads, but I, I, in this league, I only think you can because like a lot of the boys have jobs and it's not their full-on commitment to be playing football. Yeah. Um so you could play one week and have everyone there. And in the next week, you could have six or seven boys injured or some of them have got work. Some of them have got family commitments. So you can never think too far ahead. And I think you just have to go, do you know what? We play deal on Saturday. Let's prepare for Saturday. And then we'll worry about uh, the next game, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Um, and to think too far ahead and start thinking about winning leagues and where we're at in the table, I think it's madness. I think that, you know, we can't do that and we're not going to do it as a group. And, you know, people will say it to me, oh, like, you're up there, like, do you think you can challenge? We've played five games. Let's yeah. be realistic. Like, we've won five games of, and we've improved on where we're at last year, but we haven't done anything yet. So, still to turn around and go, say... Still an awful long way. Yeah, and I'm not... Uh, listen, I'm... A few of my friends ago, you're very defensive minded. You think about, you, you think you worry about the what ifs. But I'm like, but what if I go Sunday and five and six boys have got work and they shift work and they can't be there on Saturday and I've got a makeshift side and I have to put a team out and we don't win the game? What if that happens? Yeah. Like, we can't, you know, we can't be so high because we're winning all the time and then so low when you lose a game. Like, there has to, you have to be very like level headed and go, do you know, you're not going to win every game, not in this division. You're not going to. And you're going to have bad games and you're going to have good games. The biggest thing is, is when you don't play well, can you get something out of the game? When you don't have everyone there, 
can you get a point or can you get three points? Now, when you go to Chatham and Sheppies and places like that, like, how do you perform? How, how do you prepare for that game? Because when you go to them, it's not hard to motivate the boys to do it because yeah. they know what they've got to do. It's like mm -hmm. when you do play the teams at the lower end of your league, of our league, is how do I motivate them and give them the right structures in place to go and play that game? And there, there for me, the challenges as a manager and as a coach is, is what I enjoy. So wanting to win leagues, of course we want to win leagues. Of course I want to win every game we play. That is very unrealistic and I'm quite level-headed in thinking that. Um, we, we need to be more consistent in how we perform in terms of week in, week out. There's loads of areas we need to work on, but we've done so well so far and we've touched on so many areas that we need to improve on that that's why people are talking about us. Because last year, we were towards the bottom of the table. And now okay. this year, we're doing well and we're now towards the top of the table. But the start of the year, if I remember rightly, a lot of people were writing us to go down. So I don't think too much about that because it's only been five games. Five games ago, we were going down. Now five games into it, we're going up. But it's a bit unrealistic. Yeah, yeah, the swing's huge, isn't it? Um, we spoke about all the goals you scored and, and your big um, sort of goal difference uh, that you have. I think, as we said, you had you had 12 because of the the sort of lack of goals you can see as well. You've kept a couple of clean sheets and even the one in the games you've conceded, you've only conceded the one. Um, are, are you happy with the balance in your side? Because some some teams, you know, they're really like sort of like gun-ho, aren't they? Like they, they'll win games like 5-3 or 6 twos or something like that. Are you are you happy with the defence? Because one, another one of the reasons why you're up that league is, you know, you'll you'll get the plaudits for winning the games and scoring the big goals, but it's, it's your back line and your goalkeepers that's keeping them out as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't think it's any any shock. Like, when you look at, if you look at the Premier League level, teams that win leagues and win things concede the least amount of goals. Um, now, being a defender myself, I took pride in keeping clean sheets, and I still do now. And it's one of the first things I always mention after a game to the boys, another clean sheet. Keep yeah. If you keep keeping clean sheets, you'll get opportunities in games to win them. So, and then it's a matter of when you get that opportunity in a game, do you take it? Yeah. And I think we've been doing that really well. We've been getting the odd opportunity and we've got lucky in a couple of games and, you know, we've won games from probably not playing too well, but kept a clean sheet for 60, 70 minutes and then we've scored. Mm. And then we've shut up shop and been defensively very well organised. And I think they're, they're things for me that are massive areas for me to focus on. And like I really enjoy that part of the game is keeping as many clean sheets as possible, trying to then be more productive as we go forward with the ball. And that's probably an area we need to touch on a little bit more. I know we've scored a lot of goals, but we've had triple the amount of chances and probably not scored enough goals. And that's yeah. me being very critical, but I'm very open with the boys saying that uh, as far as we're doing well now, we still need to improve. Right? You're never the finished article. Right? Yeah. And even me as a coach, I, I still want to learn. I still want to make mistakes. I'm still, uh, still going to make mistakes. I'm going to pick the wrong team once or twice. I'm probably going to go into games with the wrong tactics and ideas, but like, I've got to learn very quickly because if I don't, it's a job that you don't last very long in if you don't learn quick. Talk, talking as well about, about the side and the and the sort of balance you've got there. Um, again, I'll talk back to the game, the um, Irritan away game that um, I was at and and you know, I was I was waxing lyrical about how well you played, how organised you were. 
um, I thought was a really good account. And, all, and also, like, your, your discipline as a team. And, and we touched on it before the game. For the, for the fans who are listening to this who haven't seen it yet, um, we are going to talk about it on the main show as well. But there's currently an open letter from the Kent FA basically saying about the respective officials, how some officials have been sort of abused or, or that kind of thing, or followed back to changing rooms or, you know, the sort of things that you really don't want to see happen to, like, anyone really in football. You know, we know football's a passionate game. We know sometimes results don't go people's ways. And we know sometimes that mistakes are all over the pitch. You know, you're, you're 11, your opposition's 11, yourself, Danny, your, your, your counterpart in the, in the dugout, and, and also the referees and the officials. You know, everyone's human. But what do you think um, about, obviously, what's going on with, with refereeing at the moment? There's obviously a real issue at grassroots level. And, and sort of how proud are your team? I mean, you've played five league games. And I think you've only got something like six or seven yellow cards, which in the grand scheme of things isn't really a lot at all compared to other teams. Yeah, no, listen, I, I've got a good bunch of boys. Like, honestly, they're very respectful, very good lads. They they do the right things. Um, I wouldn't want to be a referee. But I know I know what I can be like on the sideline. I know I can scream at a referee a lot. What I've found since being at this level is that every decision, everything that goes on, that the bench is on and... Players in particular are screaming for everything. Yeah. And sometimes it does influence the ref. And I think we had it against two in a mission when we played them in the FA Cup. And I approached the referee at half time and I just said to him, Don't let him intimidate you. They had like four or five lads on the sideline and they did not stop. They were running up and down the side of the pitch. The linesmen were like all in front of the linesmen and things like that. And you're like, Damn, like, that's like pub football. Yeah. Like, if you want to play pub football game, but like there's not enough support for referees anyway. And people can say what they want, but the, I, I still think there should be someone from every FI, like at the games mm. that is in the stand and be assessing how people react to the referees, what clubs are doing, what benches are doing. Like my, so my ex-wife, her dad is actually a referee and both of her two brothers are. And when I played in Ireland, they used to referee against me. So her brother, Alan Kelly, is actually a referee in the MLS who is very highly thought of over there and been ranked as like one of the top referees for the last four or five years in the MLS. And don't be wrong, I used to hate going around there for Sunday dinner because we'd watch a game and they'd be talking about the referee and I'd be like, shut the hell up. Yeah, just, just watch, watch the, the game. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, in my playing career, probably wasn't the most disciplined. Um, they both sent me off a couple of times and I wasn't very, I was very ill-disciplined as a player, but... I've kind of got to the point where it's like, what's the point saying anything? Like, you don't, I really don't think you achieve anything. As much as you might think you might influence the one or two decisions, like, you don't really over the course yeah. of 90 minutes. And I just can't be bothered to shout, if I'm honest with you. My focus can't be on a referee's decision. It has to be on organising my team and getting them in the right places. Now, I have been spoken to one or two times by referees this year, but more out of frustration from, the way that other people act towards them. And I feel yeah. that they've been influenced. Mm. Um, that would be more my frustration on that. But in terms mm. of what they do within the game, they're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. My players make mistakes. Yeah. But I can't take that out on the referee mm. when that happens. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And, and I, th I think that's a good answer because ultimately... Ultimately, Danny, with, with refereeing, I'm, I'm not just saying this because like, I've, I've recently done a referee's call, so I'm not saying it to try and defend, obviously, um, 
those in our sort of like referee groups. But a lot of the times people don't understand that I've done it. When you think you've made a mistake, even if you've got it right, but you think for a split second you have, it kind of ruins your game. So, yeah. you know, if you if you think you've made this mistake, fair enough, but you don't need to constantly be reminded about it all the time. You know, it's very much like sort of get on with it and that kind of stuff. But you were saying there about like maybe the FA or each FA, so Kent FA, London FA, et cetera, should maybe send down assessors to see how the referees do and offer a bit of support. But what do you think like the league should do? Um, or like exactly, sorry, um, the league, not not so much the FA, but what do you think they should do to support their refs a bit more, do you think? Because the, the stats the stats with refs going is is quite worrying at the moment. Yeah, I think it's difficult. I think that it's very hard to find referees. And like look, I do I work in Welling United scholarship program and we, we have six teams and trying to find referees for them games is really hard. Um, it's really difficult and you know we have a fellow called Martin Cook who helps us out trying to find referees who you know does a brilliant job but we had a conversation with him today and he's like I just feel that because of lockdown and you know people just can't just think why do I want to put up without abuse anymore yeah like what's the point and I think you know that's a big thing for it as well but yeah I just it's really hard because you want to find good referees and they want to be supported and I know the FAs want to support them but then you need manpower. Then you need the amount of people to go around and assess referees and sit in the stands and support them. Like Ideally, it'd be great to have fourth officials at games because that would give the referee less to do in a the game. Then yeah, it'd make the thing a whole lot easier where you could go, well, the fourth official manages the bench mm. and you give them that responsibility of doing that. Then the linesmen and the referees can concentrate on the game. But because you don't have that, I think it's very hard because to help them because you're con- they're having to not only referee the game but they're also having to look after the bench and sidelines yeah. which can yeah. at times be quite heated and can get out of hand and like I said like this isn't any way of saying I don't get me wrong like don't take the passion out of the game you know if, if you are passionate about decisions or are passionate about you know our results going everything like that absolutely you know like you can speak to referees that, that's obviously what they're there for but you know, you respect their decision. I mean, I mean, the amount of times, let, let's be brutally honest, Danny, the amount of times, not not, not your side, but you, you you will see a player be, be in an offside position, the lino or the assistant official raises flag, and then you see the sort of player going like, oh, I weren't offside, I weren't offside. It's like, well, you probably were because you're not that good a footballer. You'll always be onside 100% of your entire career, you know? But um, but I'm, I'm digressing on the subject of a match officiating. We can talk about that another time, maybe in the future. But um, so you said on the pod recently when, when we did the interview post game against Iritan that, you know, you've got real potential um, in this team. And, you know, you think that some of these players can actually really go on to some real senior um, divisions in, in the game. I mean, I think you mentioned like possibly even going Championship League one level, obviously, if the journey goes right. So we'll just sort of end, end the interview now, if you don't mind, with just like with the right sort of backing and resources, which you said you have, you know, you say you've got quite a fantastic support. And uh, the support from the fans is excellent as well. How, how far do you think this team can go and, you know, and, and some of these players, if, if obviously everything fell into place in an ideal world? Yeah, I think look, a player's ability and a player's progression is down to them ultimately. If mm. they put in the time and effort off the pitch, they'll get the rewards on the pitch. Um, you know, it's a great showcase for some of our younger players like Vinnie Meadows, Oli Bate, Lucas Atkins, Keenan Alessani. Drew Alessani, um, Kazim Richards. And we've got seven or eight boys that are young kids still. And they're learning 
in the game at adult level. Now, for me, that be progressing and to be developing, like the opportunities will come. Yeah. Um, and that's what they've got, and that for me is massive. Like, you know, take your opportunities when they come for you, grab them with both hands because you'll be a long time out of playing football, and you'll be very less time, a lot less time in it. So, any opportunities you have while you play football, take them. And if you don't grab them and if you don't take your chances and you don't work hard and you don't do the things off the pitch, you won't play football for very long because there's always someone else that will come along and take your place. Yeah. And, and that's the message I kind of give to the boys. You know, mm. You've got an opportunity here. Grab it with both hands. Go and dominate. Go and be the best you can be. And yeah. that's and a big thing for us as a team and as a club is we want to be that team that does that. Yeah. And, and ultimately, that really is all you can ask for. I mean, if, I mean... Here from Belvedere, as I said, I've, I've been down there a few times over the years. They've got a great fan base, and they just seem like they just want someone who just gives a hundred percent, don't they? You know, like they they don't they they obviously know the level that the that the club's at. You know, they're not going to be able to sign some absolute finished article worldie already. So they just really want someone who just really plays for the badge, plays for the club, and has that connection, don't they? Yeah, and it's not. I don't even think it's the point of plays for the badge. I think it's that every football fan, and me in particular. I just want to see someone work hard. I don't care if you play well. Mm. If you give it 100% and work hard and you, and you you try, that's all anyone can ever ask. Yeah. But you're never going to play well every week. You're going to play more bad games than you're going to have good games. Mm. So don't don't go out to, uh, into games trying to play brilliant. Go into a game and your first thought should be, can I work as hard as I can for myself and for the team? And the rest of it falls into place. Because you might not even play well but you might work hard for the team and be effective, and then you've worked hard and played well in a different kind of way. You've not worked, hard, you've not played well individually in terms of your ability on the ball, but you've done certain things for the team that managers and coaches from other levels understand that you're not going to play well every week. But do you know when you don't play well, how effective are you? Mm. Can yeah. you be effective when you're not playing well? And that's what we're doing. We're having boys who ain't played well every week. But they've worked hard and they've been effective and they've helped us win games through them paying poorly by running back 20 yards, making a tackle or blocking a shot off the line or winning a header when they shouldn't win a header because they've got that level of commitment for the for the, the calls that everyone else has got. And it's not about, I think that any fan just wants to see that. You know, they always want to see you win, but I'd go and watch a team play every week if I knew that they just worked their butt off every week and played hard. And, they, and, they, and, we'll, and we'll leave it there, Millwall fans, because... Um, being on a Millwall yeah. podcast and probably from your experience watching Millwall, Danny. I'm, I'm a Millwall fan as well. Yeah. So I actually grew up down Gallowall Road. So well, there you go. Um, there you go. That, that's exactly Harry- what Millwall fans like. Well, the last ever game at the old den in Harry Kitchener's bar, you've got the two little boys up on the fence behind the uh, bar, the picture. It's actually me and my little brother. Ah, there you go. Crazy. I'm next, yeah. next, time, next time I'm in Harry's, I'll try and get a photo for you. I'll send it over. Yeah, I know you've no. probably got that yourself, but there, there you I go. Yeah. 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 There, there you go, dear listener. Like the, the nice photo there of Danny and his brother. You can say that you know who he is. But no, thank you very much for your time, Danny. I'll let you get back on with your evening. And um, good thank luck you. in your good luck in your fixtures in the league against Steel and also Stolten under 23 in the uh, London senior soon. So um yeah. from Danny Murphy, goodbye. Thank you. Good and, luck um, and uh, I hope everything goes well. Thank you very much. And uh Arriva Dirtchen Millwall. And finally, dear listeners, I thought we could just have a quick results 
roundup from the games last weekend of the clubs that we're focusing on this season on Achtung grassroots. Um, and looking forward to some fixtures for the weekend for anyone who's interested to get themselves out to a game. Um, now, first of all, a good win in the FA Vars. Wonderful name, the FA Vars. I've always liked that as a competition name. But it was the first qualifying round for local clubs last weekend, the 11th of September. So a good win for Erif Town with a 2-0 win over Sporting Club Thames Mead. Do they still play at um, on the Thames Mead estate, listeners? I've lost track of them. They used to be... Uh, a club that played on a ground that a company I worked for owned and um, always had a kind of half a, an eye on the sporting club, Thamesmead. Anyway, they got beat by Erif Town 2-0 last Saturday, the 11th. Goals from Stedman Callender in the 24th minute and Alfie Eldridge in the 55th ceiling. Erif Towns, the Dockers progress to the next round, qualifying round of the FA Vars. Also with a win, Fisher at Bearstead. In Kent, um, an 89th minute late, late goal there from Malachi Coco, also ensuring progress for the fish into the second qualifying round of the FA Vars, presumably. Uh, midweek results, um, we've just listened to Danny Murphy, really good interview there with, with Michael and with, with Danny of Erif and Belvedere, um, a 2 0 win for them over Punjab United at Parkview Road. Henry Dasafungo in the 26th minute and Reese Barrett in the 53rd. Sealing a win for the uh, for the Deers. Um, just one name caught my eye for Glebe. No, we haven't really looked at Glebe yet. We may well do during the course of this season. This is another. Uh, no, this is another SCFL fixture. Glebe two, Tunbridge Wells nil. Goals for Jamie Philpot, ex Millwall player, in the second minute, and then Aaron Watson in the seventeenth. Wednesday night, another win for Erif Town uh, against Stedman Calendar. Eighteen minutes and thirty-two minutes. And Sam Bailey in the 43rd minute, prevailing 3-1 over Tower Hamlets, with an 80, who had an 85th minute from Tammy Ogunowo. And um, Fisher travelled to Holmesdale, I think they're in Bromley. Oakley Road, am I right, listeners? Oakley Road in Bromley. Uh, that was a one-all draw for the Fish. Fisher taking the lead with Temia Oladejo in the 50th minute. An equaliser for Holmesdale in the 65th by Owen Puncelle. 115 people there. They list the um, the uh, the attendance there for Holmesdale. 115 people at Holmesdale 1, Fisher 1. And 57 at Erif Town for that 3-1 win over Tower Hamlets. All of which means that Erif Town move into third place in the Premier Division SCEFL table. Um, Erif now sitting in third place. Top of the table are Glebe, followed by Sheppey, uh, both on 19 points. Uh, Erif just tucked in behind them. Uh, one game extra played by Erif, but they're on 18 points in third place. Erif and Belvedere, after that midweek win over the Punjab, winning 2-0 uh, there, they'll go fourth. Um, they've got games in hand. They've got five games played as against the top clubs, seven and eight. Uh, they're on 15 points, by the way. Fisher in ninth at the minute, um, played eight, nine points to their name, ninth position. Um, looking forward to the weekend, you should, of course, be at Mill versus Coventry, dear listener. But if you're not, for some reason, then you've got fixtures. Um, Ira from Belvedere are away in the um, Premier Division of the SCFL, and they're away at Deal in Kent. Gleeber at home to Hollands and Blair. That's both on Saturday, 3pm kickoffs, the 18th of September. Uh, following midweek, we've got fixtures in the Kent FA Senior Trophy for 
at local derby, Erif Town versus Fisher. And in the London Senior Cup, Erif and Belvedere on Wednesday night, 22nd, are playing the Charlton Athletic under 23. So um, some good fixtures there. Do check out the SCEFL.com site. That's the Southern Counties East Football League. For full details, extensive information on each of the clubs that we're looking at, Erif Town, Erif and Belvedere, and Fisher this season. Thank you for listening to this edition of Achtung Grassroots, dear listeners. I hope you're enjoying these these little insights into local football. I find them fascinating. And um, we'll be back very, very soon with another edition of the show. So until then, bye for now. Thank you for listening to Achtung Newark. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. Over to Achtung Till next time. Who do you want to watch? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.